Voices of Hope is a podcast of New Hope Presbyterian Church of Castle Rock, Colorado. New Hope is a church that puts people first. You can listen to our sermons and podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and any other popular podcast platforms. This week, Pastor Russ brings us a sermon called Following the Signs. It looks at how the signs in our life opens us up to the already, but not yet, kingdom of God. It comes from John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. So how good are you at reading signs? How good are you at knowing which signs are important, which ones aren't, and what they mean and what to do with them? It's not as easy, but we know our life kind of depends on how well we read and understand and follow signs, don't we? We know that when it comes to weather, we watch all kinds of things. We have apps, we have things, we have weather reports, and we try to figure out what the weather is so that we can function and function well. Expand that out. Seasons, seasons of life. How do we know what season we are in? You got a letter from me about seasons. Well, how do you know that stuff? How do you understand what season you're in? And how do you make sense of that? We know our life will flourish to the degree that we pick up on the signs of Things like COVID and infection rates. Hasn't that been part of our conversation? Hospitalizations. We we know that when we, people who spend their whole whole life focusing on the, the signs around stock and Wall Street and politics and polls. Today, people are watching all kinds of signs for, for what it means uh, as, they're, as they're trying to place bets. But we're betting our life on all these things all the time, aren't we? We're trying to figure out, and how do we do that? How do you pick up the signs and the signals verbally? When somebody's saying something, are you picking up what's really there, or are you blowing by it? How about the emotional signs? If you're in a room, a lot of our life will go better or not so well, depending on how well we pick up those signs. Same thing with faith. How do we know what's important and how do we know what to really focus on? What do we, what do we land on? What do we let go of? Funny story, old story. This is an old story uh, of two boys who, uh, who were growing up and decided to go to each other's church. One was Catholic and one was Presbyterian. And uh, they go to the Catholic Church first, and as the service is going on, the, the one boy is narrating what's going on, and the, what does this mean? And he would say this, and, and when he does this, what does this mean? They, well, this, and this means this. And it would go on because there's a, lot of, there's a lot of ancient symbolism that's in the liturgy of certain types of services. When they went the next week to the Presbyterian Church, it was all pretty straightforward uh, until the minister got up to preach and took his watch off, you know, as we used to do, and put it right there. And the boy said, what does that mean? (laughs) Absolutely nothing. (laughs) Absolutely nothing. Some would say a lot of what we do in here is absolutely, it doesn't mean anything, right? How do we know what is important? What do we pay attention to and what don't we? So, That's what I want to do this morning. I want to take a few minutes (laughs) and explore how do we read the signs? 
How do we follow what it is that God is trying to do in our world and in our life? And how do we know what's important and what isn't important? When it comes to the book of John, John tells us what's important. Last week when we started this series on a flourishing life, we said the way to read John is different than the way you read any of the other gospels, any of the other books. It is you go to the back and it tells you, says, listen, there's a lot of things we could tell you here. But we put these stories here, we put these things here so that, so that these things are written so that you will believe and in believing you will have life. That's how you read the book of John. Everything is in there, we are told, is there so that we can read the signs, follow the signs so that we will understand, be able to respond to and incorporate more into a flourishing life through Christ. In the middle of the book, Jesus says the same thing. I've come that they might have life. It's, it's a recurring theme. The signs, the signs should all point to and point from that particular point of view. If you want to read the book of John, you've got to read it with that filter. A lot of things won't make sense, including, including our passage today, which says, and this was the first sign. This was the first sign. John embeds signs in the book of John and says, here, this is a sign and this is a sign and this is a sign. Most scholars believe that embedded in the book of John uh, is, is a smaller work. It's called the, the book of signs or our seven signs. You know, when we pick up our Bibles today, it all looks neat and tidy and, uh, you know, with justified margins inside, you know, evenly spaced pages with sometimes gold and red and all kinds of things. In reality, we know that before it got to that state, it was fragments here and fragments there, and oral tradition here, and something was read, something was written here. And so when it comes to us in the book of John in this particular form, one of the sources was called the book of signs. That if you followed these signs, if you looked at them, if you were paying attention, they would point you in the right direction. And the very first sign, the very first thing that John says, if you really want to understand what life's about, if you want to understand what God is about, if you want to understand where to follow and how to read what God is up to, it's here. There was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. So what are we supposed to understand from this sign? The most obvious, the most obvious is probably, of course, is the changing of water into wine. That's a big deal. And in fact, it wasn't just a little bit. I mean, weddings then were just huge community affairs. You didn't have just a small list. You, had, you invited everybody. And that meant you needed to throw a party for everybody. And part of who you were in your standing in the community was how well you provided for this party. And so to have the problem that was in front of Jesus, they run out of wine, that's a big deal. And Jesus ends up turning water into wine, not just a little bit. And we're told these big giant urns and filled them up. And if you were to do a kind of a rough translation, Jesus basically produced about 75 cases of wine. The good stuff. <laughs> not, not, not the Boone's Farm stuff that's over here in the back. <laughs> the good stuff. And it comes out. And so at, at this point it says, ah, this was a sign. And 
so there was a miracle that was being done. But how do we understand miracles? Miracles, as we know, miracles are previews, really. They are previews of what God is yet to do. Jesus is the link. Jesus is the portal between where we are now and what is yet to come. And, and, and every miracle can be understood as, as Jesus bringing what is yet to be and bringing it right here now. So, as some have said, well, God turns water into wine all the time. It just takes years. And that's true. You water your grapes, you crush the grapes, and, and water becomes wine. What Jesus did was speed that process up, accelerate it, and there's the good stuff. But it's not just this one. All miracles work this way. All miracles work as a way, as a preview, a provisional sign of what God is up to. So someone is healed. And the health that belongs to all when there will be no more sickness or sorrow or death, we get a preview. And this person gets to, gets to be the provisional sign of what God is up to. When, when Jesus feeds the the thousands, then there is food for all. When Jesus walks on water or calms the storm, there is the peace that pervades, that, that, that surpasses all anxiety, and now it's available here. It never lasts, it's not forever, but it's a taste, it's a glimpse, it's a provisional sign. This is what God is up to, and Jesus is the portal. And in this case, in this case, he turned water into wine. And I have to say that because sometimes around churches, if we were writing this today, we would say, oh no, they got that wrong. Jesus probably turned the wine into water, right? Because, you know, we, there's this prudish kind of thing of saying, no, this is what's important, and we don't want to let people have too much fun, and that gets a little too raucous. 75 cases? Are you kidding? No. Because that's what Jesus was doing. And, but it's maybe not just what was done, but where. Because the second part of understanding this miracle is not just that there was a miracle, but it was done at a wedding. Of all the places, the first sign, the first thing you got to know about Jesus. If you want to understand, the first sign you got to be able to read is it's, Jesus was at a wedding. And Jesus did this miracle there. Now, weddings... Weddings are one of those things that is, is richly woven into to the scriptures. Jesus, when you know that this sign is there, just watch how many times Jesus refers to weddings or himself as the bridegroom or says when people are criticizing him because he's, he's, he's not fasting, he's not mourning. He goes, how could that be when the bridegroom is here? Jesus is associating his ministry and his life and what he's doing, not with just any event, but this particular event that is so loaded up, so loaded up with all the hope and all the joy that's part of life and says, this is what God is up to. It's kind of like a wedding. So where better, where better to do the very first miracle than at a wedding and to keep it going for crying out loud? The very last scene of the very last book has to do with a wedding feast. 
It becomes salvation itself. It says if you really want to understand what God is up to, take, take the everyday, take the wonderful, miraculous thing of a wedding and all the joy and all the hope and the community and the gathering and the well wishes and the promises and the vows and the, the affirmation. Kind of take that and blow it up. Now, now you've got a window, you've got a portal into what God is trying to do and what God is up to. wedding is a the wedding itself becomes a portal the wedding itself becomes a thin place think of the last celebration you were a part of Allie talked about celebrations and just the joy of them and say what if that was our best clue what if that was our best sign of what God is up to because I, I will guarantee you that there are people in churches, and, and you've seen them too, that will tell you that the best thing, if you really want to understand what God is up to, would have nothing to do with a party, nothing to do with a celebration, nothing to do with raucous, nothing to do with joy. It would be very solemn, and they would have preferred that the first miracle be done in a church service, probably around a sermon. Probably with a word of judgment, because how many times have we heard that word? It's like, oh, and you know, there's, a, there's this kind of edge that judges people. and uh, That's what we portray. But what Jesus keeps saying, no, if you really want to understand what God is up to, go to your most joyous, generous, expansive celebration. Now, look into there. Look into there and say, if you want to know what Jesus is up to, start with this. There was a wedding in Cana, in Galilee. And the more you look at that, the more you're going to see that that becomes a thin place. That becomes a window. That becomes a portal into something much larger. Because if all this is, if all this is, is just a story of what happened 2,000 years ago, okay, that's interesting. Now we can have questions and conversations about what kind of wine was it and all those. But the Bible stories are never just about what happened then. It is using those stories as a way of illustrating and inviting us in to the portals that are here today, our own life and our own celebrations. And it's about life today. And how are we to understand the weddings and the funerals and the graduations? How are we to understand the everydayness of our life? If you look at it long enough, you see that Jesus is there. And it becomes in and of itself sacred what's this sign point to it says there was a miracle and it happened at a wedding and jesus was there that jesus is in those places and in those places we begin to see uh, abraham heschel wonderful uh, Orthodox Jew, rabbi of the 20th century, a mystic in so many ways, and he had this to say. He says, listen, the surest way to suppress our ability to understand the meaning of God and the importance of worship is to take things for granted. It's to say, well, that's just a wedding. That's over there. That's secular. Here's sacred. Here's what we do in a church. This is what's sacred. 
or that over there in a school, that's, yeah, that's, or work, that's secular, but there's this divide, and no, the, the real important stuff is over here, what we call sacred, and what Jesus came to do, and what Jesus came to do was to heal that divide, close that rift, so the sacred and the secular are one, because Jesus is there, and when Jesus is there, we begin to recognize that God is present right where we are, and then, and then, the question isn't what's important, but what's not. What event? That's hard to do anytime. One of the things that weddings do often is they get so caught up with the things that we think are important and all the details and all that it's easy to get kind of swept away in the details of it. And so over the years when I've done weddings and I, and I sense that maybe going on in the anxiety level, kind of getting <laughs> beyond where it's helpful, I will sometimes pull a couple aside and I will say, listen, at the end of the day, I know you're anxious about this and anxious about that and the flowers didn't come out this way and you're wondering about the cake. At the end of the day, you're going to be married. So don't miss your own wedding. Don't miss your own wedding. Make sure that you are savoring this. Because if your head is what's going to happen in the reception or what happened in the car over here or the conversation you had, you're going to miss your wedding. Don't miss this. This is big. Sometimes I find myself, as somebody did with my daughter was being married, uh, Rich, my friend, said, listen, don't miss this. That distance between the back to the front goes like this. Savor it. Don't miss this. This is big. That's not just good for emotional awareness that's just good for life don't miss this this stuff is big what's not important it's all it's all important because it's pointing to life and it's not just the life that we reserve until after we die and now we get to go to heaven the life that jesus is talking about the life that shows up and announces itself is the first sign in a wedding the life that life is the life that begins now it's the life that not even death can stop or touch but it begins now it begins when we open our eyes it begins when we begin to follow the signs and to see that all of life becomes a thin place if we can see it that's what joy is is helping us do this morning she put together this wonderful piece about how to see and how to see what god is doing and how we don't take anything for granted Think about that. Think about your own life. Think about your own celebrations and the places that we rush past and miss. And what it would mean today to read the signs differently. I invite you to pause busy thoughts. To take a few deep breaths. May every breath remind us we live imbued with God's sacred essence. May we open and consent to God's presence and God's action in our common everyday lives. 
It is not so much what is seen as the position from which it is seen. Jesus surprised the world. For Jesus, nothing is ordinary or tedious or trivial or unworthy of notice or care. Nothing is taken for granted. For Jesus, everything is sacred. At the start of the journey, one sees the sun out there as a disk. But as we get very close to it, it fills our entire visual horizon. Then we are inside it, and it is all around us. A glimpse of God's glory. The most familiar things and actions become portals shot through with divine presence. Everything is always new and always more with a divine goal that is always beyond us. It is where all the beauty and surprise lie of God's becoming and our becoming in this world. It is in the unfolding moreness we find the evolving expression of God's love for us and our courage to return that love into and onto the world. Everything is sacred. Everything is sacred. How do we know that? In part, in part because the signs point us there, in part because there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. There was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. Jesus' disciples were there. Jesus was there. You know who wasn't there? Photographers. I'm going to make a confession that I have a love-hate relationship with uh, photographers at weddings. That an awful lot of a wedding seems to me to revolve around the need to capture pictures of people as if they were enjoying themselves, but they don't get to enjoy themselves because they're having to wait on a photographer. Um, not all, but I, I recall particularly one where the wedding was now about 45 minutes late to start. And it was because the photographer was still taking pictures and still had a long list of photos that needed to be taken before the wedding could start. And I had to make the case, I said, you know, there are 200 people in that other room, and they don't understand what's going on. 
and it's really important that we get to the wedding. And the photographer, the photographer says, but a wedding is all about the pictures. <clears throat> My outside speakers were not on, and that was good. And tried to explain that actually it's about the vows that this couple is going to give in front of their family and their friends and their community. It's about the family, friends, and community that are gathering. It is, it is about the joy. It is about the hope of one generation to another generation. It is about the promise of what life is going to bring. It's about two people whose lives and families are coming together. Pictures, too. And, and I will say that I... Uh, I have also had wonderful experiences with brilliant photographers. The very best photographers, it's not about the phot photographer or the, or the particular photograph, but it's a, the moments that they are somehow able to catch that reveal a glimpse of life that you would miss otherwise. So that's the love part of weddings and photographers because they help us at their best, they help us at their best capture and savor moments, moments that we would have missed, moments because not everybody was looking right there at that moment. It would, it would have gone past us. And so here's part of what I think this sign is about, because this is what's also curious about this particular miracle, is not only was there water changed wine, there was a miracle, there was a preview of, of what God is bringing, and it was a provisional sign. There was at a wedding, Jesus was there, and most of the people had no idea what happened. When you read this story, there's only a handful of people, and they're the servants, who have any clue that something big was going on. Most people went home that day, probably, if they did anything, praising the host, the groom, and said, wow, what a great party that was. And that's what they, they missed what was going on. And this sign says a lot of times what God is doing, undercover, is doing things that most people will miss. Because they're not watching. They're not seeing. They're not maybe savoring. They're not expecting so here's what I want to propose as, as, as we finish here. That maybe the problem is not so much that we overemphasize weddings, but that we underemphasize the rest of life. And what if we were to approach every day more with the expectation that we do with a wedding? We don't have to wear all the goofy clothes. But there is something powerful, isn't there, about the idea of what if we were to approach today and tomorrow and Wednesday with that same expectation that something big is going on and we should be paying attention so we don't miss it. There was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And what if it wasn't just weddings, but graduations? What if it was funerals? What if it wasn't just around the kitchen table, but hospital rooms, board rooms, across fences, 
in backyards and at parks and at grocery stores? What if, what if that became the occasion that we come looking for, looking to savor, looking with the same anticipation for what God might be doing, if only, if only we had the eyes to see that this feast of life isn't just something that happens way out there in the future, but that we begin to participate in that same great feast now because we begin to watch for it. I saw a man do one thing on something, something and here's how I want to apply it. What this guy did was he took pictures, what used to be called our phones, but now is our cameras that just happen to make phone calls for us. And he took a picture and he would post on Twitter every day for a year. One picture that summarized, that captured the essence of his day. Wasn't exciting most of the time. But there was something, whether it was a bowl of cornflakes, whether it was coffee, whether it was the bird eating from the bird feeder, whether it was the backside of his kids as he was dropping them off for school. And what it did was it began to sharpen his senses and then hours along with it, we're now paying attention differently. I don't do that with a camera, but I have a journal. Some of you do the same thing. And part of my journaling is every day there's one line and I get to fill in one line. What is the one event? What's the one thing? What's the one conversation that somehow encapsulates that day? That when I read that a year from now, five years from now, I'll go, oh yeah, I remember that. And then when you take it together as a month, as a season, that there'll start to be a story and I'll begin to understand and remember my day differently some people do that with prayer at the evening and examine prayer and they think about their day they don't write anything but they they nurture and they savor their day in the presence of God some do it at a dinner table what's a high what's a low how do you do that and if you don't can I suggest that for the next week you try it just try it in whatever way maybe something you haven't even mentioned how will you notice how will you savor how will you capture so that you can pay attention to and have a different understanding of what's going on so we don't miss it there was a wedding in cana in galilee it was the scene of the very first miracle but it is not the only scene of miracles. And so, Heschel, one more time. This a, I put this in the, in the blog earlier in the week. And we talked about our goal. Our goal should be to live in radical amazement. To get up in the morning and look at the world in a way that takes nothing for granted. Everything is phenomenal. Everything is incredible. Never treat life casually. To be spiritual is to be amazed. Now, how will you live this week? How will you do this? Because here's this sign. If you want to understand what God is up to, if you look at Jesus. If you want to understand what Jesus is about, look at this sign, the very first sign of, 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 of a provisional manifestation of what is yet to come at a wedding. And Jesus is there. And where isn't Jesus? And not just on the big occasions, but all the time. There was a wedding in Cana in Galilee. Jesus was there. It was the sign of the first miracle. Most people missed it. Today, in Castle Rock, Jesus is here. Amazing things. 
might be happening. There are amazing things in our midst because Jesus is here. How will we see it? How will we savor it? It have something to do with how we see and follow the signs. Would you pray with me? Oh God, help us to see, to wake up from the stupor that we normally walk around in, a kind of di- half, half asleep, sleepwalking through our life. We assign importance to certain days and then we somehow shelve the rest of them as just ordinary. Or we have certain places, oh God, where we expect to see you and then we treat the rest as if they are just merely secular. Open our eyes, oh God. Help us see. But help us see in such a way that we not only see, but we are able to respond. And in responding, our lives, our lives become a sign for others. That this is a world that is saturated with your presence. And amazing things are going on. And they point to you and the one who is bringing life through Christ in whose name we pray Amen Thank you for listening to Voices of Hope If you've enjoyed our podcast please rate and review it and share it with your friends Go in peace and have a wonderful week